0: Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this first Sunday in Lent. Uh, Before we begin our worship first, just a couple of notes on our service this morning. Uh, The service begins not with a gathering hymn, but traditionally in the first Sunday in Lent, we gather with the Great Litany, uh, which will be number 238 in your service music. So uh, just so you're prepared for that, there will be no gathering hymn, but we will pray the litany together, um, and then following the litany will be the prayer of the day. Also, you may wanna be aware that the song After Communion changes uh, for the Lenten season, so you may wanna have your hymnal ready after communion so you can, you can sing along uh, with that as well. Uh, and then just a reminder that our midweek Lenten services began this Wednesday. Uh, the soup suppers are covered all of our wednesdays are covered however if you think you might attend or plan to attend uh, feel free to put your name on the clipboard so we have a general number of who will be there and how much food to prepare and i also just want to invite you to those midweek services uh, they will connect to our sunday services uh, this linton season the plan is to go through the ten commandments so Today, my sermon will focus on the first commandment. On Wednesday, we'll focus on the second commandment. And then next Sunday, we'll be on the third, and so on. Uh, So things will tie together. So uh, you might want to consider coming Wednesday nights as a Lenten discipline and an opportunity to study God's word together. And then finally, a reminder that our game night is tonight at 6 o'clock. I also plan to come play games with us, hang out, bring a snack uh, as we fellowship together tonight. Do you have any prayer requests or do you have any announcements for the congregation? Yeah.
1: Um, If you are on council and have not given me your committee members yet, I would like to have those by Tuesday when I do the newsletter so I can include that. So just lay on my desk or text me or whatever. That would
0: help. Thanks. Yep. If there is nothing else, I invite you to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
2: see sí. By your holy birth, you, by your baptism, fasting and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross suffering, by your death and burial, you, by your resurrection and ascension, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. In all times of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, save us, your Lord. Though unworthy, we implore you. To, hear us, dear Lord. to rule and govern your holy Catholic Church, to guide all servants of your Church in the love of your word and in holiness of life, to put an end all schisms and cause of offence to those who would believe, and to bring into the way of truth all who have gone astray. To beat down Satan under our feet, to send faithful workers into your harvest, to accompany your word with your spirit and power, to raise up those who fall, and to strengthen those who stand, and to comfort and help the faint-hearted and the distressed. The Lord you, Jesus, Lord. To give all nations justice and peace, to preserve our country from discord and strife, To direct and guard those who have civil authority, and to bless and guide all our people. to To behold and help all who are in danger, need, or tribulation, to protect and guide all who travel, to preserve and provide for all women in childbirth to watch over children and to guide the young, to heal the sick and to strengthen their families and friends, to bring reconciliation to families in discord, to provide for the unemployed and for all in need, to be merciful to all who are imprisoned, to support, comfort, and guide all orphans, widowers, and widows, and to have mercy on all your people. our enemies persecutors and slanderers and to reconcile us to them to help us use wisely the fruits and treasures of the earth the sea and the air and graciously to hear our prayer lord jesus christ son of god Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world.
1: Have mercy
2: on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world.
0: God, Heavenly Father, in the waters of the flood, you saved the chosen, and in the wilderness of temptation, you protected your son from sin. Renew us in the gift of baptism. May your holy angels be with us, that the wicked foe may have no power over us, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen
3: first reading is from Genesis. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. We will intone Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. Second reading is from 1 Peter. Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is... Eight persons were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The Word of the Lord.
0: he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, "The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ, I invite you to be seated <laughs> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I said earlier, over the season of Lent, we're going to take time to look at the Ten Commandments. So I'll be off lectionary a little bit. But Lent in the church tradition and in church history is always a time of preparation. So historically, Lent was the opportunity to teach the catechumens, those who wished to be baptized, to teach them the basics of the faith and to prepare them to be baptized on Easter. And so Lent, in our tradition, has always been a time to look at the basics of the faith, to prepare ourselves for the joy of Easter, and also to examine ourselves, to examine our sinfulness, to examine where it is we need to repent and where it is we need to rely on God. So on Ash Wednesday, we began with the understanding of the commandments as a mirror, right? Or like walking in to the doctor's office for an examination. And so we're going to lift up the Ten Commandments and we're going to see our sin. And we're going to see just what sins we have that we can and should hand over to Christ who bears our sins for us. And so this morning, we're going to lift up the first commandment. In a lot of ways, the first commandment is the most important commandment, the most basic commandment, and the one that's going to inform all the others, and the one that's going to inform our very life of faith. And so the Ten Commandments, as you might remember, begin like this. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. And so first thing we want to pay attention to is to notice that the commandments begin with a statement of fact. I am the Lord, your God. They do not begin with, I want to be your God, or if you behave, I will be your God, or I was the God of your ancestors, but rather they begin, I am your God. And so very beginning of the commandments, they begin to describe our relationship to the Lord. He is our God. And so this is good news. The commandments begin with a declaration of gospel. They begin with a piece of good news because the Lord is our God. And to understand why that is good news, we need to look at the word God. Because God's not a proper name like Ryan, but rather God is a title, an office, a job, if if you will. And so the word God, like mother or father, is a relational title, but it can be used as a name out of respect. We don't use our parents' first names. We call them mom, dad, mother, father. And thus we call the Lord God. But remember that God is a title. And so what Martin Luther rightly taught us is that whatever we fear, trust, and love the most will be our God or will be our God's. And we all seek goodness in our life. We all want good things to happen. And therefore, whatever we believe is the true source of goodness in our life is going to be our God. Our hearts were made to cling on to the good. Our hearts were meant to search for the good. And so it will be the thing that we fear, love, and trust more than anything else that we will find is actually our God. Wherever you put your heart, wherever you put your trust, it's there you will find your God or find your gods. And so the first commandment is not strictly just about worshiping other gods in a religious or cultic sense. The first commandment does absolutely forbid bowing down to idols, bowing down to people as if they were gods, and it forbids worshiping the false gods of other religions. However, the first commandment, is primarily about the direction of our hearts. And it asks the question of us, what do we fear the most? What brings us the most hope? What brings us the most comfort? And so the fact that the Lord is our God is good news. Because he is merciful, slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is not fickle, he's not cruel, The Lord gives life. He himself is living. The Lord hears, he blesses, he loves, he forgives. And so when the Lord says, I am your God, he's declaring that he is the source of all good things for us. God is claiming a relationship with us. And he doesn't wait on us to come to him. He first says, I am your God. He claims that spot for us. And so when we have a need, God wants us first to come to him. And so whenever we lack something we need, it's God, our Lord, who promises to provide for us. When we suffer, he promises to be our comfort. When we are, need, are in need of forgiveness, he promises to hear our cries of repentance. He promises to deliver us from evil. And so in this way, the Lord has shown himself to us not as a far away god up in the clouds but he's shown himself always present with us as a loving father what we see then is that when god demands that we fear love and trust him above everything else he is showing us that he will be the source of all good things in our life the demand of god here to love and trust him to have him as god That itself is a demand of good and for our good. And when God demands that we have no other gods, likewise, he is demanding that we stay away from things that will destroy us when we put our faith and trust in them. The ancient Israelites saw this when they saw neighboring peoples, neighboring countries and tribes, worshiping idols and false gods. These gods demanded the sacrifice of children on a regular basis. These false gods demanded that people cut themselves or participate in cultic rituals that consumed them. These people allowed these gods to make great demands of their bodies and souls. And yet these gods did not hear them, did not see them, did not care for them in any way. The people put their hopes into these strange and cruel gods, and these gods provided them with no real goodness. They were false gods. So in our age and in our culture, most of our false gods are different, of course. Very few of us here are tempted to worship Baal or Zeus. And in our context, very few are tempted to worship the gods of Hinduism or Allah or other false gods. And so apart from such obvious idolatry and false religion, we have to look at our hearts to see what it is we truly fear, we truly love, and we truly trust. So for many of us in our culture, that answer and that question will begin with money and finances. Right, we fear that money that we worked hard for our whole lives and saved up for will be gone. We fear that we'll lose everything. We might be bankrupt and homeless. So many of us live for money. And nothing brings us as much dread as much as the idea that all of our money will be gone. It comforts us to know that we have a source of income, and when we have good savings, we're given hope by it. We come to believe that the money we have earned is a great protector against all kinds of evil in this life. We all have seen, however, and we all know that this false god, the one that believers before us often called mammon, consumes and destroys people. That a love for money turns people inward It makes people stingy and cruel. People will lie, steal, and cheat. To obtain and keep their money, they'll hurt themselves, they'll hurt their families, they'll hurt others for the sake of preserving wealth. And that's all a familiar story that you know. And there are many, many, many other common false gods in our age we could identify. Politicians are often false gods for people, right? If only so and so gets elected, that person will be the source of so much good in this world. That person will solve our problems, that person will deliver us from evil. And they put their faith in politicians that they make godlike. Science and medicine become gods in our age. There's a belief that if we just trust in scientific progress, then all the good we need will be taken care of. Romance and intimacy are common false gods. If we just find the right person, have the right kind of relationship, then we will find the true source of goodness and happiness in this life. And families can be false gods. Race can be a false god. Social status, education, and so on. All can be false gods if we put our trust in those things. People, of course, also make things we might consider more trivial to be gods, right? There are people who seriously read their horoscope in the newspaper every day and believe it. They put their trust in the supposed signs of the stars and believe that if they trust the signs, then their life will be directed to good. There are people who need to sell their house, so they bury a statue of St. Joseph in their yard, putting their trust in a little piece of plastic to be their source of good. And of course, that's something we might joke about and something some of us might not take too seriously, but it's all a sign of misplaced trust. And misplaced trust is at the root of all sin. And there's really no end of examples. We could come up with examples of misplaced trust over and over. The reformers taught us that human hearts are factories of idols. Our sinful hearts are constantly looking for things to trust and fear and love, rather than seeing God as the source of that which is truly good in our life, and trusting in him to provide. It is our story, and it's the story from the beginning. In Eden, The serpent convinces Eve not to trust in God's word, that that one particular tree will be her undoing, and instead trust that he knows better. And so Eve puts her trust not in God, but she puts her trust in the serpent, and she puts her trust in herself to make the most rational decision that she believes. And when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, this is what Satan tries to do to him, Can he get Christ to trust in some other plan than God's plan for the salvation of the world? But, of course, what we will see is that Jesus is perfect in faith because he always trusts in God as Father. He trusts in God right through his death on the cross. And then on Easter Sunday, of course, his faith is vindicated and he's raised from the dead. As Christians, we remember, of course, that Jesus is given to us and for us, for our salvation. And so we put our faith, that is our trust, not in our ability to be perfect. Because we already know that our hearts will wonder. We will constantly fail with this very first commandment. We're not going to live up to it because we find so many things to put our trust in rather than God our Father. And so what we're reminded to do is to put our trust first in the perfect faith of christ because once we put our trust in jesus's perfect faith then everything else begins to open up to us we will see the lord as the one who is the source of all goodness for us and every day we will learn that he is truly our god because christ has taken care of us christ has saved us and so we begin by trusting in what he does and the rest begins to open up And so in your Lenten disciplines, hold up the first commandment and look into it, right? Find your false gods and let Christ destroy them. Ask yourself, what do you really fear? What do you really put your trust in? What keeps you up at night? And whatever it is, name it for what it is. Name it for the false god that it is. Name it for the thing that's consuming you, that's giving you anxiety, that's worrying you. And instead, look to God, your Father, because He's the true source of all that is good in your life. Amen. Stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. For the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, in the midst of this life, we are beset by many temptations. Fix our eyes on our Lord Jesus who bore temptation for us and resisted to the point of death, and bring us through the evils of this fallen world to dwell with you forever. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you placed the wood of the cross on the back of your only Son, that as the promised offspring of Abraham, he might possess the gates of hell. Bless, we pray, his church and all of those called to preach and teach within her. Give them certainty that hell will not prevail against them, and so embolden them in faith to trample every power of the enemy. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, preserve all catechumens and their teachers, all children and their parents and every Christian home from the assaults of the evil one. As your son overcame Satan in the desert by the word of God, so give us the victory through Christ and his word. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father of lights, from whom every good and perfect gift comes down from us from above, keep us from being enticed by our own desires to misuse your gifts. Help us to use them rightly in service to you and our neighbor and bless joseph our president richard michael our governor and all of our leaders that we may be governed wisely and justly for the good of this generation and for those to come lord in your mercy hear our most high god our refuge in every trouble you have promised to hear when we call to you command your angels to guard our brothers and sisters and all who suffer in our midst especially judy and tammy Charlie, Jane, John, Don, Leah, Nancy, Wayne, Dwight, Jim, Brian, Marilyn, Joanne, Tony, Carolyn, Nancy, and Carol. Keep them from every evil that can befall the body, mind, or soul. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Lord God, the time is fulfilled and your kingdom is at hand in your Son who has come to us here at this altar. So by your Spirit, grant that we will receive him in repentance and believe in the gospel proclaimed in his body and in his blood shed for us. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our All these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the paschal feast that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering therefore his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these, your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God. give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.